0: And there's some people today that are trying to have those, even even outside of like church and, and Christian circles, people in universities and different places, having these conversations to say, hey, if we're going to live so much longer, maybe we need to rethink kind of how this looks.
1: Welcome to another episode of Engaging the Generations as we continue our conversation with Amy Hansen, author of Baby Boomers and Beyond, and a professor of gerontology at the University of Nebraska in Omaha. This conversation with Amy has got me fired up. I'm excited. Okay. It's so inspiring to hear what she talks about and how God's calling us at all ages, all capabilities. Um, she's just got me really excited to see how God's going to choose to use me for the rest of my life. And thinking about this concept of aging and just like really living my life to the fullest.
2: Well, that's got me really excited that you're excited there, Sarah. That's good. <laughs> So it's uh, good stuff for all of us. And... Um, I'm looking forward to hearing more of what Amy has to say. So Amy, you reminded us last time of the importance of recognizing that while things do change beyond what we can control in every stage of life, I guess it all comes down to our willingness to steward, as you you had used that word, uh, the things that we've been given and how we use those purposefully. So I'd like to change course just a bit and talk about this notion of retirement. Like many people today, my generation especially, they get to this so called retirement age. And it may not be, oh, I have to stay looking young. I'm not, I'm going to deny that. There's this, you know, I, I don't care how young I look, just going to play golf all my life. I'm going to go collect seashells. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. It's all about me. And I know, look, there are a lot of Christian people living in these communities. Um, so. Does a biblical worldview um, justify us taking that approach to life or, or what would you say? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's put Um, you
2: on the line here. (laughs) Well,
0: okay. So, I mean, again, we go back to the culture, right? Well, let me say this. Let me say this. Historically, retirement is a relatively new phenomenon, really. Yes. And it was in the fifties that, some smart kind of uh, investors and people that wanted to make money figured out that they could make retirement a business. So places like Del Webb, Sun City, and these retirement places in Florida and California and Arizona began to pop up, and they were they were bussing people there to show them, you know, look at the life you could live, and even if you can't move, you could go to a baseball game in the middle of the week, and um, and so it was a marketing a marketing thing that happened, <laughs> and what did we do as a culture? We bought it. I mean, we were like, yeah, that sounds good. So, you know, we went from early in, let's say 1900s or whatever, to people wanted to work, work was the ideal. And they, they didn't stop working until their health made it so that they couldn't To to fast forward, right? 1960s. And after retirement became this preferred state. So I want to retire as soon as I can so that I can go and live this life of leisure. And we had a very linear, linear view. You go to school when you're young, in the middle, you work. And at the end, you retire and you enjoy everything. And there's some people today that are trying to have those, even even outside of like church and, and Christian circles, people in universities and different places, having these conversations to say, hey, if we're going to live so much longer Maybe we need to rethink kind of how this looks. You know, what if we what if we inserted a little bit of that leisure time down here when things are so intense and people have kids and they need a little more hours in their day and people actually worked a little longer um, because we are living longer. Now, we could get into a whole thing about that, but I say that um just because, you know, as we as I approach my own retirement one day or people that are retired listening to this we don't have to just buy into that idea that, um, you know what? This is how I'm supposed to do it. I I retire and I'm supposed to just live this leisure-filled lifestyle, this kind of entitlement, like I've earned it. I, mean, I hate to say that, but right? Some people sort of think that, like, I've worked hard and now I, I've i earned this.
2: Oh, well, I've heard that over and over again.
0: <laughs> and, you know, that is, that is not something we see in scripture. You know, we don't see that we, like, get to this place and then we're, you know, well, we've, we've made it and now we get to just enjoy. Um, I I don't think there's anything wrong with some of those entertain, you know, pleasure, activity, leisure, but when it's, when it becomes so self-focused, self-absorbed, right? I mean, Jesus talked about that in any season of life we're in to not, you know, to not become all about ourselves. And I like to encourage retirees to just think about some of those hobbies and things that they love doing and want to do. How do how do we just tweak that a little bit so that it also becomes something that's making a difference in somebody's life? Right. Who who do you take with you? If fishing's a big thing, well, who's the boy that doesn't have a father figure that you can take along with you? Fishing or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's just rethinking it just a little bit. It's not throwing it all out. Um
2: yeah, I like that. I I I even in the retirement communities that exist, there are still opportunities, aren't there, for them to begin to say let's look out beyond ourselves. How can we engage with some of the younger generations in some meaningful ways? It could be something as simple as uh let's work together to do a Samaritan's purse thing at Christmas time or whatever it might be. Um rather than just all we ever think about is okay, when's my next golf game, which my next uh uh, you know, whatever event is coming up, uh, a baseball game or whatever the case, let's go just do that. And it's just about me. So it really is. It It's really not so much matters. I guess what you're saying is not so much a matter of whether you're living in one of these communities and you choose to take a retirement plan that allows you to do that. But what are you doing with right. your time and what God has given you mm-hmm. in all those years that you have uh, gotten to this point?
0: So Uh, years ago now, I heard a man, I didn't hear, I was at a church and it was an older man and I was talking to him and he was serving in so many meaningful ways. And I asked him how he kind of got into that. And he said, well, I used to sing this song with my granddaughter and it went like this, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all good girls go to heaven. When they get there, they will say, we love Jesus. We love Jesus every day. And he said, one day I heard her in the other room singing the song, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all good grandpas go to heaven. When they get there, they will say golf, golf, golf every day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I just thought of that when you were talking, Kevin, because he then, I mean, I thought it was funny, right? I mean, we're laughing, but he was very serious. He looked me right in the eyes and he said, I saw in that moment, the kind of legacy I was leaving. And it wasn't the legacy I wanted to leave.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: So he started like picking up his grandsons from school and they played tennis. So he would hit tennis balls with them. And that got him more involved with the granddaughter and then involved in serving in church. And, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about is it's not it's not saying I can't have these hobbies. I can't do these things. But it is thinking about what does it mean for me to finish well? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? Um uh, you know, the way we choose to age and the things we're choosing to do, <laughs> you know, we get to set that example for the future generation and how they choose to age and how they well, choose to retire.
2: And so I saying this thinking starts needs to start early. Is that's what you're saying?
0: Yeah. And I think that um, if, you know, if I want my kids to see or I let's say I do I do or, or maybe I'll speak of myself. Um, You know, I want to look out there and be like, oh, that's what I want to be like when I retire. That's when you get to go on the exciting mission trip. That's when you get to invest in that particular ministry that I haven't had time for. That's when I get to do this or that uh, and create kind of this new normal that that's what those years are like. Uh, And we get to show that, right? I mean, we get to show that to a younger generation or we get to show them, hey, it's just all about you. Make sure you just go off every day. What do we want to show them?
2: Do you think this has anything to do with some of the so-called generation gaps then that exist between the generations and, and the stereotypes that we have of one another? Hmm. That they see, for example, a younger generations see the older generations are copping out in life. So um, and because we've kind of set the standard that, you know, aging, you know, that's not anything we really want to do. Just let those people go do their own thing. And that's what old being old is all about. Is just They they don't have any responsibilities anymore.
0: Um, Well, for for sure, you know, not having one of the ways to break stereotypes and about aging is to have real intergenerational relationships. (laughs) So otherwise you get a little bit what you're describing, right? We are young people kind of are just looking on the outside and they see you know, they see the advertisements or they see what's in a Netflix show that older people are retired on the beach or, or they again, financial advertisements that save your money so that you can do this. And that's what they see. Um, and maybe they've also had like one really grumpy old neighbor they lived next to, not everybody. And, you know, they have those experiences and that's all they really have to say, well, that's what you do when you get older. And to break that, um, We do need like intergenerational relationships, you know, real relationships where you're getting to see like, oh, this guy doesn't just because he's 75 doesn't mean he goes to bed at five o'clock at night or just, you know, whatever those things, um, those things are. So the gap, I guess, to go to your point, generation gap that maybe exists, I think could be helped if we just hung out with each other more.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well Sarah and I agree with that right.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> but the question yeah. becomes how do you, how do you get past those obstacles and be able to enter into those kinds of relationships?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um how, yeah, how do we do that? You know, one I one way that I think is so practical that we kind of forget about is just eating together. I mean, we all eat multiple times a day. And because I'll hear older adults say, Oh, I would, I would interact with those young people from my church, but they're so busy. They have soccer games or they have whatever. Um, but we all, we all eat, even if it's quick or it's brief or so, you know, an older adult or an older couple or middle-aged that's willing to say, Hey, you know, do you guys want to just come over for a quick hour? You know, don't have to spend the whole evening, but I'm going to, I'm going to have spaghetti ready. Um, and I'd love for you guys to just come for a little bit. I think Mealtime is something to really consider in terms of um, in terms of helping those relationships to happen. I heard a pastor one time tell me, he said, if he had the budget or if he could do it, if he could pull it off, he wanted to like have a little line item in his budget that was just for that kind of thing. And he was going to tell the older adults, you know, hey, if you'll go grab somebody that's young after church and take them out to eat, you can bring me the receipt and I'll, uh, I'll reimburse you for it. <laughs> I don't know if he ever did it.
2: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so
1: true. Like how practical just asking people to go to lunch. Like you said, we all eat. Like why not do it together? I love that. Um, And we also know that you talked in another session you did about the three stages of aging. Do you have any advice for us? Like the younger generations, middle age, older generations, how can we be preparing right now for the aging that's coming? Well, okay. So kind of speak to a younger generation. Is that what you're thinking about that? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we're all aging. So like, what can I be doing now to start preparing for this mental shift that happens? Like maybe when you become an empty nester or you
0: retire or just these big milestones happening through life. So I do think that one thing is when we're younger to be aware that, uh, I'm going to say this, but I wouldn't typically say it this way, but to be aware that old age, isn't just kind of like a, like a small little one thing. Like I teach, I teach, you know, freshmen sometimes in college, right? They're 19. And they're taking this gerontology class, and they don't even know what it is. And you know, they they think that aging means people in a nursing home. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I kind of talk about we've got all different kind of stages within this umbrella of older adulthood. Um, you know, we've got people who are, you know, late fifties, sixties, who are you know just becoming empty nesters, and they're maybe just thinking about retirement. And they're pretty active, actually, and they want to be involved in the lives of their grandkids. Uh, and then, you know, then we have those that are, you know, maybe 70-ish, 75-plus. Uh, lots of them are still healthy, but they are recognizing more of these physical challenges. Uh, and then, you know, 85-plus um, is from an academic or gerontology health standpoint would be seen as a time where you might begin to see some some real health decline or frailty. But that's, you know, that's just a small piece of the whole aging experience. So that's one of the first things that I think young people, we need to kind of get in our head. I say we, I'm kind of in the middle now. Young people need to get in their heads is, oh, you know, this is a whole, this is a whole journey. You know, it doesn't, Old doesn't automatically mean really poor health. And, you know, that, again, that is one of the first things I would say. Um, mm-hmm. A second thing would be to kind of, we've already alluded to this, but to find, uh, to find some relationships, to just kind of sit back and look and be like, you know, who's an older person that I kind of know, or I'm observing. And I think to myself, hmm, I kind of like to be like him, or I kind of like to be like her, you know, a just getting to know them, even if you're in your 20s or 30s, I think helps us to frame aging differently than if we're just getting it from television or billboard or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think those relationships are really what humanize it. Kevin and I talk a lot about intergenerational relationships and how important they are. Like, I think we just have a lot more fun hanging out than people think we do. <laughs>
2: well, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that, Sarah. <laughs>
0: You know, another thing for young people, I mean, I ask my students to to think of themselves. We do a little future self-activity. What do they, you know, think about themselves and what, they, what they're what they going to look like when they're 70 years old? Where are they going to live when they're 70? What's, what are they going to be doing? What's in their social world? And most of them have never thought about that. And, you know, when they really think about what they want, you know, it's usually more than what they just see out there, you know, on uh, television or whatever, when we really kind of talk about it. And that's, it's a good thing to do because choices that we make when we're younger do affect what our life is like as we're older. Um,
2: they do. So, you know, as we kind of wrap this up, I wonder if there are a few thoughts that you might be able to share with, you know, the Sarah's of the world and others there, you know, those of us who are in those later years of beyond 65, um, we, we really feel not only the physical changes that are going on, as you've described, but I think we also feel like, and I, and I'm saying this in a generality because I don't feel that way, but a lot in my generation do feel that, um, we don't have anything in common with the younger generations, Um, they would, I wouldn't even know how to how to relate to the younger generations today, let alone keep up with them. So what, what words of advice maybe could you give to the millennials and, and those that are in their 30s or whatever that are younger to say, what are some ways that they could perhaps encourage and bless those who are older? We always You you gave some examples earlier of things that older people could do to to kind of connect with the younger people, but is it possible that the younger people could initiate some contacts?
0: Mm -hmm. I I definitely think it can go both ways. I mean, a young person can ask an older adult to go to lunch or have coffee or whatever. I can you telling that, Kevin, reminds me of a of a man who spoke to me at like a retreat I was speaking at. And he said that he had been invited, I think he was probably in his 70s, he he had been invited to join this younger professional men's group early in the morning for coffee. And he said to me, he said, you know, I don't know why they want me there. What do I have to offer? And I thought, oh, you know, how can he not see that they just, they just want him to be a part of the conversation, the wisdom, the... So, uh, so that was a place where those young people asked him and he needed to be encouraged to say, um, yes. Uh, I, I think, you know, another way that you know young adults middle, could ask or could initiate relationship is, um, and I guess you would do this gently, but, you know, offering, offering to teach something. And I wouldn't say it that way, but here's, here's where I'm coming from with this. I know of some churches who have their, you know, high schoolers, put together, um, like a little mini half day workshop on technology for the older adults and the older adults can come in and the high schoolers have put it, you know, somebody's got together, you know, a 30 minute thing on how to use Instagram. And there's a genius bar set up so people can bring in their devices. And it's the young people who are actually teaching and offering something to the older adult and really, um, I think those kinds of things are so important where we, where we don't see it. Young people need to see that. It's not just this, like here's this older wiser passing on their wisdom, but it's, it's a mutual thing. And, um, and I do have something to offer to them and they do have something to offer to me. And we might just have fun just being together. We might just like the same card game or the same Netflix show. I don't know. Uh, you know, not making it so hard, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Not making it so difficult.
2: Yeah, yeah that's really true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. really true. I, I, I mean, even just the relationship that I've been able to ha- enjoy with Sarah through the student ministries of our of our local church has just given me so much joy. Uh, not, not just because I'm there with younger people, but because we really have a we really have a real relationship that is more than just, oh, okay good to see you on Sundays type of thing.
1: Yeah, And we do like the same card games
2: too. And we do like same card games. That's right. <laughs> and, uh,
0: uh, you know, so, that brings up that serving, serving alongside one another.
2: Yeah.
0: I have seen that be over and over one of the best ways to help build intergenerational relationships because you, you have a common ground already, right? You're, you're working together on some common cause and uh you've got this connection through that because you both care about something and I think that is one of the ways that you know younger and older can really connect is when they're serving together
2: yes I sense. agree and, and and I love like Wes Wick's whole approach to his leadership team It he wants it multi-generational mm-hmm. so that they can really do life together that way so yeah. Amy Thank you so much for your time and sharing with us. I always love just hearing you talk and sharing and uh, your insights into things. Uh, tell people a little bit about uh, some of the books that you have available that they might be interested in.
0: Sure. So my book is Baby Boomers and Beyond, Tapping the Ministry Talents and Passions of Adults Over 50. And um, it's you know kind of a wake up call to, hey, look at all the opportunity that is available in this season. Uh, a good way to just kind of understand, you know, all the possibilities that are out there. Um, my website is amyhanson h a n s o n dot org amyhanson dot org and there's articles and things on there that you can find information, videos, stuff like that.
2: Did um, I hear <laughs> that you have a new book in uh, in progress?
0: Uh, no.
2: Oh, you're not going to do that. Okay. It'd be a good
0: idea, though. Probably. But... It's a
2: great idea, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> and if they wanted to get in touch with you, they could just go to your email address, which is amyhanson.org, yeah. Amy right?
0: Yep. Amy at amyhanson.org. Yeah.
2: Yep. And it's S-O-N. Thank you so much, Amy. We just, we've just we been really honored to, to have you a part of this podcast. Anything, uh, final co- comments you want to make, Sarah?
1: No, it's been, it's been really cool to hear your perspective. I think it's really inspired me, too, as a 28-year-old, to... Um, just try in really little ways. I think we do kind of often make it too complicated. It's like it's as easy as just going for lunch after church together, and yeah, I think that's really cool to hear about
2: I yeah, it. yeah, we really do
0: well, thank you for having me.
2: you know Sarah i I remember my grandparents when they were in their sixties and my thinking how old they were and how awful it must be to be old like that. And yet here I am in my seventies. And while there are days when I truly feel old, you know, most of the time, you know, I'm ready to take on new challenges. Just bring it on. Let's take the hill country. But I also recognize I could have done more when I was younger to do what Amy suggested about preparing for that journey we were all taking. As a sense, I guess, uh, we've been kind of sold a bill of goods about planning for retirement. And what if we had all begun earlier in our lives, in our 20s and 30s, planning not for retirement, but for what I call refirement. How does God want to prepare and equip me now to be a Caleb or a Naomi, who would see old age as one of the most powerful times of life, you know, when we can really impact generations to come? And and I know we have to be careful here, or it could still become all about me. So it has to begin with a focus on God and his plans for my life, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, Kevin, you're not alone in that. Like, I think I can even think back on my teen years and wish I would have used them differently to fulfill God's purpose. You know, I think that's something that we all experience. We always think we can do more. Um, And we just, especially in our 20s and 30s with friends and relationships and kids and all these like new changing things that are happening. I'm sure we just forget and don't have, don't think we have the time to really think about our future because there's so much happening in the current moment. Um, but what would that look like to like really take the time to ask God what he wants for our lives? What can we be doing now to prepare for the future? Um, I think it's a, an easy question we can ask with maybe a bigger answer than we're ready
2: for, but <laughs> something
1: yeah. that's really, really I worth it.
2: <laughs> well said, well said, Sarah.
1: If you have any questions for Amy, be sure to reach out to her at amy at amyhanson.org. That's H-A-N-S-O-N or visit her website at o.org. I encourage you to get a copy of her book, Baby Boomers and Beyond as well. You can find more information about that on her website. And as always, we'd love to hear from you about this podcast, another podcast, or thoughts about topics you'd like for us to discuss on Engaging the Generations. You can contact us at podcast at elderquestmin.com. We hope you'll join us for future podcasts, for Kevin Harper, Director of Elder Quest Ministries, I'm Sarah Greenstreet, co host of Engaging the Generation.
2: God bless. God bless.